Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Christiana. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well. I'm outside right now, and there was a thunderstorm going. I haven't heard any thunder uh, in the last like five minutes or so, so I think uh, I think nature may have led up for the show, but I could be wrong. If you hear thunder in the background, that is me. I am inside a thunderstorm right now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nature, uh, nature has to pause a little bit for above replacement radio. Uh, nature's nature's got to hear the takes on the National League Central, and uh, yeah, they they're really they're really into that race. Uh, they're surprised at the. At the uh, streak of the Chicago Cubs, they did not expect it. They thought the U Darvish and Kyle Schwarber um, subtractions were, were going to be too much for them. But uh, yeah, nature nature's very interested in the National League Central race. Absolutely. I mean, it's been a it's been an interesting race all year. I mean, like I think we saw it as not a very top heavy division, but there were multiple teams that. I mean, I I only saw two possible winners. Uh, but there's three teams, or at least four teams, honestly. The Reds are only five games back. Uh, it's a pretty tight division. Yeah, Pirates, just you know, the the forgotten child oh. of that of that bunch. Look, luckily, your uh, mic quality is good enough. That I was going to say, do you I, hear it? I don't think you can hear it. Yeah. Oh, well, it just went. It, there was that was thunder right there. Yeah, cloud clouds will. The clouds would have to be closer to the mic. Uh, to yeah. uh, get their message across. Yeah, I don't think that would work <laughs> like that. Um, St. Louis Cardinals, though, I think that's our uh, that's our topic of discussion today. They've been on a on a pretty downward spiral. They've lost, I believe, eleven of their last thirteen. Um, yes. Then going back, yeah, going back to May thirtieth, um, they are two and eleven, uh, which is by far the worst record in the majors. Uh, it's not even really close. And, um, I mean, pretty much every aspect of this team has been bad since then. Uh, they're pitching. Um, to be fair, Jack Flaherty did uh, strain his oblique in early June to put him on the IL. And I think that there is a lot of uh, correlation, I guess, between, you know, the leader of your rotation being gone. Uh, Quang Hyung Kim also got hurt, but he's expected to return this week, thankfully. Uh, but the Cardinals have a negative 0.7 F4. Uh, since May 30th, the next worst team is negative 0.1. Yeah, it's it's bad. Uh, their their team ERA in this span when they've lost 11 of their last 13 is 6.57, and their FIP is 5.55. And uh, both are both are last in Major League Baseball in this span. Yeah, they are. Uh, and if you want to look at individual performances, Carlos Martinez has allowed 15 earned runs in 11 and two thirds innings pitched in this span. Uh, Wang Yun Kim has made uh, two starts in the span. He's he allowed seven earned runs in eight innings pitched, and uh, but, that, but that could have been because he was hurt, though. Very much so. Uh, and uh, 
our favorite volcano of 2021 finally erupted. Uh, yeah. John Gant in his last two starts, 12 earned runs in five and two thirds innings pitched. I have a take. Uh, I think I think since John Gant took so long to blow up, the Cardinals are going to think that the, the two starts where in which he has a 9.26 ERA and 8.38 FIP was like a fluke, and it's going to take more batting, bad outings from him to get out of the rotation than it would have otherwise. Yeah, pro- you know what? Probably thinking of if I if I think about like maybe I'm, it's not all on uh Mike Schilt to make no. these decisions, but uh, Mike Schilt seems like a more older school person and might not look at the peripherals the same way. Yeah, well, he's the I think he's the only person, the only manager that never played in the big leagues. Uh, currently that I believe so. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know he didn't play uh, in Major League Baseball, but yeah, yeah, it's it was uh, John Gant has been terrible in his, in his last two starts. Had some major blowups. Uh, you know, twelve. I, I told you guys it was coming. Uh, he, in eleven two thirds innings pitched, uh, five point four Ks per nine, eight point four nine walks per nine, two point three one home runs per nine. Yeah. Uh, also, a ground ball rate of twenty seven point eight percent. Like, if you're not going to be striking people out, you got to be getting ground balls because uh, that's bad news. And that's what John DeGant's been – that's been his issue. It's been one of his issues, one of his many. Yeah, it's it's crazy what he was able to get away with. Uh, current Currently, he has a 3.35 ERA, a 6.06 expected ERA. It was the uh, – he was the first pitcher since 1901 – or since 1913, I'm sorry. First pitcher since 1913. To have a negative or a, a sub 1.75 ERA and a plus 1.5 WHIP uh, through any 10 games span since 1913, when the earned run became an official stat, uh, so you could pretty much like there's reason to believe John Gann had the luckiest 10 game stretch in the last 108 years. Yeah, you yeah you could make that argument for sure. Um, you know the fact that teams were just not able to get it done with runners in scoring position against him. Like they mm-hmm. teams were uh, once were hitting one sixteen with runners in scoring position before those two uh, blow up starts uh, against Gant. And uh, yeah, big time blow up, but overall, yeah, the, the Cardinals have just not been able to stop the bleeding and no. it's and tough they're... that like the, you know, in their last two series against probably, or, one of their two biggest competitors, one of their two biggest teams in the way, uh, they've gone one and five against them, the the Cubs, yeah. which is, uh, you know, not when you want to be struggling. Um, I, have a, I have some notes. So, you know, we can talk all about the pitching and how it's been bad. And you can sort of throw that back to Jack Flaherty being hurt because, you know, you know, yes, not having one person hurts, but also just like he's the leader in that rotation and his absence kind of. Uh, it does kind of wear off on the rest of the rotation, even if Adam Wainwright, you know, kind of had that role for a while and he's still there. Like he, you know, he's not the same person he used to be. Uh, but the offense has been struggling too. Uh, over this same sample, the offense is slashing 219, 285, 363 with an 83 weighted runs created plus. That is the sixth worst in Major League Baseball. Uh, their F4 is also is uh, tied for sixth worst. Uh, it is uh, 0.6. And to look at some individual performers there, Tommy Edmond uh, has not taken a walk, and he's slashing 211, 211, 316 with a 44 weighted runs created plus. Uh, Edmundo Sosa, one of their shortstops, who had a really good start, has kind of cooled down. 
He's slashing 190, 227, 262 for a 39 weighted runs created plus. And Chris, one of your how about that? Yadier Molina, 143, 250, 143 with a 26 weighted runs created plus. Um, Paul DeYoung also came off the IL, and so he's only played three games, so don't take this to mean too much, but he's slashing 100, 182, 400 for a 59 weighted runs created plus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's been offense as well. That's kind of if if one of the if yeah if one of the team if one of the sides of the ball is doing well, you figure they would win more. But yeah, both have been bad. Uh, yeah, obviously twenty fifth in OPS in this uh, in this span where they've lost eleven out of thirteen. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. just been um, it's been pretty bad. And I you know I'm wondering if there's a uh, if they can get their feet back on the ground eventually uh you know i I don't know what their upcoming schedule is but i got you i got you chris i wrote down their upcoming schedule all right let's go so here's one here's my worry with the st louis cardinals they are 16 and 28 this season when they play teams with a winning record wow yeah the only like team that was supposed to be competitive that has a worse winning percentage than that is the twins like I think all the teams that they have a better record against against you know above 500 teams it's like the Orioles, the Tigers, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, the the Pirates and I think the Twins and I think it's it's only those teams where it's like, you know, it's all these bottom dwelling teams and then the Cardinals. Uh but for, and that means they're also 16 and 5 uh against teams with a losing record but you know, it's not it's usually not a good sign when you're that particularly bad against teams that are above 500 and you're supposed to be competitive. Uh, but luckily, uh, their upcoming schedule is they're home against the Marlins this week. The Marlins have been struggling recently. They're away against Atlanta. Atlanta's been underperforming, uh, even if they're a good team on paper. But, you know, those are games the Cardinals could win. Then they go to Detroit. Those are winnable games. Then they face Pittsburgh at home. Those are winnable games. They face Arizona at home. Uh, they should sweep the Diamondbacks on the road, no question about it. They play the Rockies in Colorado. And then on July 6th, the week of July 6th, the last week before the All-Star break, they face two good teams. They go to San Francisco and they go to Wrigley. Yeah. It seems like they have a pretty good break outside of Atlanta for Mm -hmm. the next about three weeks, probably. Yeah, it does. Like these are, I mean, they need to get themselves back in it because like if they, if they struggle to win these upcoming games, like I don't think this team has much of a future this season. Yeah, yeah, especially with the Cubs you know, they searching. Don't, they don't the have a, a crazy roster. They have a pretty good roster, but not a crazy I said, roster. I said preseason they were very top-heavy. And Paul Goldschmidt, he's been doing a little bit better lately. He in the, Over the sample that I mentioned, he has a 111 weighted runs created plus. But overall, like I expect more out of him. Nolan Arenado, I mentioned, as a slightly alarming. He's kind of gotten it back together. He has a, exactly 100 weighted runs created plus, but... No, I expect better than that from these guys, regardless of if it's a 13-game sample. Like, I, they should be better than that. And not to mention, the Milwaukee Brewers are also 11-2 and two over this same sample. Yeah, that's, that is uh, worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Worth, mention, worth mentioning a lot. Yeah, uh, and the Brewers have, like, one of the better records uh, in the majors against teams with a, like, above 500 record. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. They did pretty well against the Padres, from what I remember. I remember, I remember they, they, they swept. The, they swept the Padres. They took three out of four from the Dodgers. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then they took two out, and then they split with the Padres when they played them in four. Yeah. So yeah, overall five and two against the Padres. 
um yeah they're uh they're pretty dangerous especially uh you know we we kind of prefaced it before but if the if the brewers are uh are able to get into the playoffs and get into a best of five series uh that can be a very dangerous very dangerous thing with yeah, what they, they got, got with uh, Wood, woodruff burns and peralta by the way i like this is off topic but like i just need to talk there's a certain uh baseball content creator i'm not I'm, I'll, I'll leave his name out but um he had a tweet where it was like it's like a crazy how MLB Network is like dissecting every bit of Bauer's RPM job, but they're not bothering to mention like Corbin Burns or any other pitcher, as if Corbin Burns didn't have a seven stri- seven shutout inning, thirteen strikeout, no walk start with his RPM down against the Diamondbacks. Even if it was against the Diamondbacks, he's clearly proved that he doesn't need it. Uh, while Trevor Bauer has like a four seventy RA in his last three starts. Right. Yeah, and he's given up four earned runs to the Rangers. Yeah, and. Corbin Burns did give up four runs to the Brewers, but it was incredibly, like, if you look at all the batted balls, uh, I think the Pirates had an 087 expected batting average through two innings where they had those four runs, and there was also a fielding error. Yeah, yeah. It... So, I mean, Corbin Burns, I'm not worried about his his spin rate drop because he's proven to be fine without it. Yeah, and he's a, he's a pretty cutter-heavy guy, and I don't think yeah. cutters really require uh, a big spin rate because they're not necessarily supposed to have that rising action mm-hmm. but uh, i mean his his cutter was down like 200 rpm but yeah, yeah. but if i don't know if that's the biggest deal but that's not what he's that. really working with exactly like shane bieber yesterday that was concerning his his curveball was down 310 rpm and he got lit up by the mariners right like that's yeah. that's concerning yeah that that is concerning and yeah i, I i'm pretty sure bieber had a you know not a super significant but you know a decent jump in spin rate in 2020 if i'm not mistaken i remember the percentiles were up yeah uh, i'm not sure about the rpm altogether uh but i'm gonna take a take a look at that yeah, yeah for sure the mariners yeah the mariners were have been kind of a a struggling team as of late and uh yeah giving up giving up a, a good amount of offense against them is. Oh, was it five earned runs? Um, yeah, I'm not I, sure. I want to say it was five. I want to say it was five earned runs, which is, I mean, that's not Bieber like. Uh yeah. Uh, so from 2019 to 2020, Shane Bieber, Shane Bieber's forcing fastball jumped 100 exactly 100 RPMs. Mm-hmm. Uh, curveball. Curveball. I'm trying to see. Curveball was about 50, so not a crazy amount. Slider was, uh, slider was, yeah, his slider RPMs jumped up almost 200 RPM. That's, from that's not natural. To uh, 2020. And yeah, velocity staying just about the same in all fat. Or actually, he did experience a little bit of a velocity jump, so you can attribute it to that a little bit. Uh, that doesn't really that doesn't have anything to do with uh, potential substances is if his velocity is jumping but nonetheless you know 100 100 to 200 rpm increase uh when you're only increasing your velocity by maybe a mile per hour i think there's a little bit of a disproportionate relationship there but are you, uh, are you getting the rain in the background here um I th- I'm too focused on uh, Shane Bieber's spin okay. rate to, to be hearing any of this. 
It's it just started. I mean, if you look at my camera, it just started pouring. Yeah. Well, I think when when you start talking, then I start to hear the rain a little bit. Gotcha. Um, in his start on Sunday, Bieber gave up five earned runs and ten hits to the Mariners. The last time he gave up ten hits was September twenty fifth, two thousand nineteen, against the White Sox. Uh, and the last time he gave up uh, five earned runs and ten hits in a single start was either in 2018 or never. Uh, let's let's see. Let's see it. What is it? Very it was never. It never happened. That was the first time in Shane Bieber's career he gave up five earned runs and ten hits in a single start. Wow. And yeah, it, and it happened against uh, the Mariners, who are not. It's not like he's facing uh, facing off against the White Sox or offensive power. Either he's facing a team that got no hit twice, and like a month or so ago, had a team average below the Mendoza line. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, yeah, the spin rate story can continues for sure. Uh, it's uh, yeah, keeps on keeps on rolling, and yep. you know Shane Bieber might be the next potential victim. I mean, I don't know. I I don't want to be the the person in uh, in the room with the drawstrings connecting pictures. You know that cons- conspiracy guy, but you know he was teammates with Shane uh, with uh, Trevor Bauer. Bauer. Maybe there's they both maybe, won Cy Youngs last year. Yeah, I don't know. They're good friends. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, but you know, good, good for him getting his 2020 Cy Young, and he's you know still having a decent, decent year. Yeah, I mean he's still getting the strikeouts in. He had eight strikeouts in five and two thirds innings pitched. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know that. Things like this are probably going to pop up every episode. There's probably going to be one new guy, one or two new guys that where it just continuously pops up. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess that's all we have to say on the Cardinals. Yeah. Car- yeah, Cardinals uh, 11 out of 13. Pitching seems to be an issue. Um, we're, we'll get into the trade deadline stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, I think there is very legitimate reason for concern in St. Louis, like the fact that they're like 16 and 28 against winning record teams. That's not okay. Yeah, I, that is that is news to me, and I, I'm taking I'm taking a lot of note there. That's pretty alarming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get into trade trade deadline stuff in probably a couple weeks, probably right right before July. I imagine we'll we'll get into that because. Yeah trade season isn't really upon us yet um but uh yeah uh we do we want to talk about uh degrom or the revolution of uh 20 of you know guys 25 and under or let's talk about degrom just because it's it's the i mean degrom there is good and bad stuff because uh there's a possibility he might be injured right right flexor injury yep uh he's gotten his era down to 0.56 in 10 starts that is utterly insane uh he has more i know that everyone's you know said this before but he has more uh rbis than earned runs allowed this year yeah that's really all you need to know about about his season and he's not shohei otani so you know it's not like he's going out every day and then hitting in the two spot yeah exactly exactly yeah uh the guy's utterly absurd uh this is and like 
all the all the, the statistics point to the fact that he's not using sticky stuff. Like, imagine if he was. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah, that would be. Uh, I feel like an unwritten rule is they just don't allow. If if uh, if we saw Degrom's spin rate jump up, then that's when they would probably be like, "All right, it's time to stop this." Yeah. But he hasn't, and I mean, his his fastball velocity has just gone up and up and up every year. I actually meant to talk about this, um, in the pre in the uh, season previews. Degrom threw like more like significantly more hundred mile an hour fastballs in twenty twenty than he did in twenty nineteen, and that was like you know with the shortened season. Yeah, like it, it was significantly more. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his uh like stat cast data. Um, you, I think there's just incrementally, he's just increasing his velocity, uh, each and every year. And, you know, I, kind of unusual for a guy who's on the wrong side of 30, but, uh, you, you know, people, he's not, he's not on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. I mean, well, on the wrong side of the age spectrum in general, it's not like he's like this 20 year old kid coming up and, you know, throwing heaters, but yeah, he is 30. He's about to be 33 years old. But, you know, saying that usually velocity doesn't jump up as you're 33 years old. And, you know, I I wonder what uh, analytical methods he uses, yeah. because we, we don't really get we, we don't really have the Jacob deGrom secret yet. And it doesn't. Is it like a, I don't think it's a whole Mets thing either, because like have we seen the same thing with like Stroman or Taiwan Walker? Um, like, have we seen velocity increases from them? I could check. No, I mean, because I remember it might just be a Degrom thing. Yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of, I remember Zach Wheeler having uh, velocity increases, but that was kind of after his surgery. That makes so sense. Naturally, like it probably as it was recovering, it was probably going up every year. Yeah, no, no particular fastball velocity increase from from Stroman, so. I mean, yeah. this very well could just be a Degrom thing. I don't think that it might just be some sort of analytical. You know, it might not work. It might be something that doesn't work for everyone, but it certainly works for Jacob Degrom, and it's been a joy to watch. And I really hope we can continue watching it. I don't think we have an update on his injury, uh, thus far. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, really nothing. Excuse me if I'm being a uh, a little quiet. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find a how about that for him as as we okay. brought. It. I mean, up. go through any ten game, any like ten game span in baseball history, and you'll probably find it. Yeah, I'll unless start you're with... looking, unless you're looking for like a specific one. Yeah, I'll start with uh, just any ten game span, not 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 a ten game span to start a season yet. Um, but yeah, okay. So there's only been one other, and I could probably uh, get rid of it, but. There's only been one other 10 game span where there's been where a pitcher has had a hundred plus strikeouts and less than five earned runs allowed in, in baseball history. That was a uh, Chris sale in 2018, but I remember uh, that that was in like July, August. Or at least July. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was technically it started in June and ended in September. Cause there was the injury in the middle. That's right. That's right. But uh, Degrom actually has more strikeouts. So Degrom, uh, 
is the first player to have a 10 game span with 102 plus strikeouts and less than five earned runs allowed. So yeah. there you have it for Jacob deGrom. I guess I can pull up the how about that button. <laughs> but That was very that was very easy to find. You don't have to dig too deep when it comes to Jacob Degrom. No. Uh, but yeah, I, you know he has a a right flexor injury, which I believe has a little something to do with the elbow. Um, I'm not sure, but I mean I don't know. He's I guess the one concern you might have with the guy is you know he's a skinnier guy throwing very like extremely hard throwing harder than anybody yeah. in baseball we need to so we need to protect this guy at all costs yeah he, any anything that uh anything that he needs we need you know put him in the gotta, bubble we gotta get we gotta get to him we gotta get the best best doctors in the world to uh help him out yeah, no, we cannot let that guy go down with by any means. And I mean, the like the fact that we even missed him for like a couple starts is bad enough. Right. Actually, this is this is hilarious. So, Jacob Degrom, twenty sixteen average four seam fastball, ninety four. Then the next year, twenty seventeen, ninety five point two. Twenty eighteen, ninety six. Twenty nineteen, ninety six point nine. Twenty twenty. 98.6 and this year it's 99.2 ridiculous i mean the guy's 33 he's 33 and he's getting his fastball to average 99.2 miles per hour i think my yeah my arm would hurt too a little bit probably <laughs> yeah he's it's uh it's literally insane i i don't get it <laughs> yeah i mean like Jacob, I think the next time he pitches is, I think he's scheduled to start this week again on, I think, Wednesday. Like, Jacob DeGrom is much must-watch TV. I don't care. Like, yeah, who, I don't it, care who your team is. When this guy's pitching, you need to be watching. Yeah, all you really need to see, all you really need to know about DeGrom, outside of the more uh, RBI than earned runs allowed, outside, outside yeah, of that. Like, I think, Chris, you mentioned to me off the record this week, like, Eventually, we're just going to start seeing starts where his ERA just doesn't go down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His <laughs> It doesn't go up either. It just stays. Yeah. His ERA only went down like 0. 0.06 and it's in his last start. And it's uh, it's only his 10th start of the year. And usually numbers kind of fluctuate a lot more earlier. Did you also year, did you also see those numbers data. where it's like his times through the order? splits oh yeah it, he gets better throughout the game yeah and it's like much better too it's not like a significant it's not like a you know human error length of difference it's like i think he has like an 059 batting average against his third time through the order and like a 160 his first time through something yeah all, like all you need to know about degrom is that is that video of his 95 mile per hour slider against <laughs> tatis and yeah. really no like it's it's uh kind of cliche to say but no one's doing what uh jacob de is doing in in baseball right now you from uh this year in in pitches 76 through 100 of his outing uh in 29 plate appearances hitters are slashing 071 103 214 318 
Oh my god. That's an SOPS plus of negative 14, which means it's a split OPS plus. And that's, yeah, that's by De- DeGrom standards, correct? No, it's not by DeGrom standards. Oh. It's by leagues. T- TOPS plus is by, Legra- by DeGrom standards. Right. That's a 65. Yeah, yeah. It's, which is also it, a joke. It's still, yeah, it's still way better. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, a split OPS plus of negative 14, that means that DeGrom is 114% better than the average pitcher with 76 to 100 pitches thrown so far in his outing and yeah he just keeps going it's not even fair yeah i i don't know when it's gonna stop what when is when is his era gonna get above one i mean all it takes is one start it really does yeah like it could happen any day it's just a matter of you know who's gonna do it you know, he like one day he could give up like three earned runs and five innings pitched, and that's it. He could have a quality start, and that's it. There goes the dream. Right, right. I'm trying to <laughs> six times nine divided by or uh, seven times nine. Actually, he would have he'd have to give up four earned runs in an inning in order okay. to get his ERA above one, which is surprising. I thought it would be. Gotcha. So he's probably got two starts to spare then, unless he absolutely blows up, which I'm not anticipating. Yeah, no. And uh, I guess to look at, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what lineup is going to bring down Degrom. I mean, he just he the All Star lineup. That's he, about it. He went through. Yeah, he went through the Padres lineup like a hot knife through butter. You know, one base runner. Well, the Padres like offense a, has been struggling mightily since uh the same cardinals may 30th date yeah i noticed i noticed they were last in ops mm-hmm. but they've been they've been running into some good teams so i, I kind of cut the slack a little bit and and it's and it's a 162 like teams go through slumps yeah and, exactly you know th- that stuff happens but sometimes there it's worth looking into more than others that's kind of that's why we did a whole segment on the cardinals and not the padres right exactly um but yeah uh, yeah, uh, now, okay, yeah, but yeah, we're going to look at the, I'm going to look at the Mets schedule and see, okay. I don't know what, I don't know what team, it's going to be a random team, it might be, it, it might just be like the Phillies or something, but uh, so we started on Friday against San Diego, so he's got the Cubs coming up, that's a pretty hot lineup. That is uh, a hot lineup. That's a pretty hot lineup, uh, I mean, I don't know. The, then again, Carlos Martinez held him to two runs last night. Right. Yeah, I guess. And he was struggling. John, John Gant held point. him to seven runs. Should have scored more. Yep. Uh, even, though, even though he only pitched an inning in two thirds. Mm-hmm. Um, then he's got Atlanta, who is, you know, they're not the same lineup as they were a year ago. And then either Philly or Washington or Atlanta next. I think he faces the Yankees. There's really nothing. Uh, the or the Mets have the Pirates on their schedule. I w- tune into that. That's, whenever, that's the perfect game one. Whenever that's... Degrom faces the Pirate, yeah, I'll be disappointed if it's not a twenty strikeout perfect game. <laughs> that's when we got to start talking about the regression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, See, if you can't get like Eric Gonzalez out, then like, what are we doing? Yeah, Degrom Degrom's fastball 
averaged only 98.9 in this yeah, start. Yeah, that's an issue. Was he even taking this seriously? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, that's but, where I'd start understanding the boomer sports writers that talk about him not winning games. Right. It's like, how are you not able to do it? <laughs> yeah. Even though, actually, he's 6-2 and two this year, so the meme has kind of died down a little bit. But, I mean, how can you – I mean, the fact that he's lost two games is still pretty sad. Yeah, how do you get two losses with a <laughs> with point four five, runs six. total? And not only that, but like he's not allowed multiple runs in any start. Like his four earned runs have all come in separate games. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now that fact, I think yeah, about the it, the fact that he has two losses is actually pretty sad. Now that I think about it, six and two is just about the worst you could do <laughs> with a 0.56 ERA. Just about. <laughs> I mean, his average run support is 3.54 runs per game. That's terrible. <laughs> That's really bad. Like, he's still not getting run support. Like, they, his... like the meme is always, like, he his record is under 500, but, like, 6-2 and two is pretty bad when you consider that he's doing literally everything he can. Okay, now we got to go to... Now we got to go to 10-game spans with, like, 0. 0.5... Below point... Uh... Yeah. Below 0.56, below 0.6 ERA and two losses. Yeah, all right, here we go. That can happen. Oh, my God. All right, do we have a stat? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is the – I'm pretty sure I got this. Yeah, this is the only 10-game start span in baseball history with – an ERA below 0.6 and a win-loss percentage of 0.75 or lower. Wow. How so, far how far can you go with the ERA before someone else gets added? Uh all right. That's yeah, the that's take... the question. Like you gotta start bumping it up. Like go to 0. 0.75, then go to one, then go to 1.25. Yeah, we'll go to 0. 0.75. I mean, this is quite literally the worst you could do with a 0. <laughs> 0.56 ERA. Yeah uh pretty much yeah the or at least the worst someone someone has done i guess you could give up a bunch of earned unearned runs and uh have this problem but uh there's there's a three added when you put okay. in 0. 0.75 so what what what, are, what what years are they uh so shout out to jerry kuzman of the 1969 mets okay. uh that so happened. This, this is a mets thing uh, Josh Johnson in 2010 on the Marlins and uh, Don D Don Drysdale. Oh wow! In 1968, but then again in 1968, the league average ERA was like 1.1. 1 .1, so. uh, hey Chris, what was the uh, the one year that it happened to a Mets pitcher? Uh, the one, the uh, one outside of Jacob Degrom. 1969. Was that like a good year for the Mets? Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm okay. pretty sure uh, they went to the playoffs. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, they called right. them like the, 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 the Mary Mets or something like that. Yeah. The Marvelous Mets. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That's what it was. It was something with an M, yeah. Yeah. Didn't but, they like hey, film a you know? hockey? Didn't they like film a hockey over over like what, what it was called or something? Um, potentially. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. But. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the Mets can repeat success with uh, their... <laughs> Every with time this... the Mets have a guy with a point... <laughs> Every time a there's a 10-game span with a 
ERA below 0.75 and a win-loss percentage of 0.75 or lower, uh, they win the championship. Yeah. That's I'm just saying happens. here. That's all I'm saying. Hey, I mean, yeah, you got to address that. But, um, yeah, that's kind of our uh, our Jacob deGrom segment, I guess. That, that was uh, all the ridiculous things we had to discuss regarding sure – the best pitcher in baseball but uh now we have to move on to other things unfortunately we have some better news because you know there's some not great stuff about to the injury possibility the fact that he has a 750 winning percentage uh but there's some you know there's been a lot of negative connotation around the league recently with all the spin rate stuff and just the, like the league's marketing and the blackouts and there's a lot of negative uh things around baseball so i wanted to talk about the positive today uh fernando tatis jr ronald acuna jr vladimir guerrero jr and shohei otani are uh four of the most exciting players in the game we all know this uh otani is about to turn 27 and he would be the oldest of the four of them and they are combining for a slash line of 295 390 637 1026 with a 426 woba and a 174 weighted runs created plus um like, Chris, I know that you and I haven't been baseball fans for very long in the grand scheme of things when you think about how long the game has actually been around. But, like, have you ever remembered a time where there was, like, young talent that was this exciting? Not not particularly. And I, I no. don't remember this much league, league-wide excitement. And, like, these time. guys are, like, le- like, league leaders. Like, Vlad has 21 homers that leads the league. Fernando Tatis is up there with OPS, same with Acuna. And Otani, we don't even need to introduce. We already know. But yeah, I mean, just to, like, for reference, the when we were getting into the game in, like, the early 2010s, the best players were, like, Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, you know, guy, you know guys who were guys established. In their, yeah, in their early 30s, guys that had already, like, won World Series uh, and won MVPs. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, Mike Trout was like the first, one of the first guys to just emerge. Bryce Harper was uh, another guy who I guess emerged a little, a little later than Trout, not to blame him or anything. Uh, But yeah, like it was Cabrera, Pujols, uh, Prince Fielder, maybe. Yeah. uh, Ryan Braun. Yeah. Ryan Braun, I guess was maybe. He had a really good start to his career. Evan Longoria. 20s. Evan Longoria led the American League in F4 from 2008 to 2012, I believe. Yeah, but it wasn't getting as it wasn't getting as recognized no, because he, he was on the race, and he was like a whole package guy. It wasn't like he was leading the league in homers or OPS or he was just you know doing everything. But yeah, it it seems as though like it's not just the up and comers. Like they've taken over the they've taken over the league now. They're literally the best yeah. players in and baseball. Like we don't even like this guy hasn't been performing, you know, to his expectations, but like Juan Soto is very much there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's he's I mean, he's the youngest of all of them, I think. Uh unless maybe Tatis is younger, but I mean regardless, like the guy came up at age 18, won a World Series at at 20. Um Yeah, he's ridiculous. Yeah. Um <clears throat> And I think, you know, when you when Mike Trout is out, it emphasizes like, oh, yeah, the league's in pretty good hands, even yep. even without him. Uh, I think know, the he's... all-star game is going to be like, I want all four of these guys in the home run derby, like nothing less. Yeah, and we 
uh, we talked about it with uh, Kyle, uh, how, you know, home run derby incentivizing, uh, incentivizing the home run derby for, you know, a million dollars. That's going to bring all these guys, especially with Vlad and mostly Vlad, because, you know, Tatis and Acuna have already gotten their money and Otani obviously had to sign a, you know, the non-traditional contract to get over here. But Vlad's the only one that's like still on the first deal getting paid, you know, 570 K. Right. But I feel like, uh, luckily, you know, these, these guys are so into, you know, the excitement of the game. Yeah. They're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like I need these four and I need Juan Soto all in the home run derby. Like I know the league usually goes off of like who has the most home runs. And thankfully these guys are up there, but like they should put more emphasis on who do the people want to see? Because I know that everyone in baseball wants to see these four and Juan Soto. I mean, yeah. those five. I'm going to just say those five. There's no reason to exclude Juan Soto, even if he has, if he, even if he doesn't have MVP caliber numbers so far this year. Right, because get in 2019, guess who had the least home runs out of all the uh, home run derby participants? Out of all the home run derby participants, is the guy who stole the show. It was Vladimir yeah, and guess Guerrero what? Jr. Guess who? People were literally angry that he was in the home run derby because he only had like seven home runs or whatever it was, and then he hit 91. By the way. Like, I think one of our takeaways from this year's Home Run Derby is that they need to just, like, they need to get rid of the time limit. But, like, keep the bracket format going or something. Get rid of the time limit? Well, because, like, it's going to be, it's one of the things I hate about the Home Run Derby is, like, when, like, okay, let's say Vlad's the one seed and he goes up against whoever the eight seed is. And that person puts up, like, 14 home runs. And then Vlad beats it in, like, two minutes. It's like, I want to see him keep going. Right. Like that I remember right. feeling like that's how I felt with Aaron Judge in 2017. Like I like when he beat whoever it was in the finals. I, I think it was Miguel Sano. When he beat Miguel Sano in the finals, I was like, I want to see this guy keep going. Like right. I, like why does he need to stop now? Right, right. Uh I mean like well you need the time so that it ends at one point, but and you need it need the time to be equal. So I don't know how we, I don't know how we would uh, be able to fix I don't know, but like I, 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 it's gonna be sad when Vlad hits his 14th home run with three minutes left on the clock, and he just has to stop there, you know? Yeah, it, it will. <laughs> like I yeah, think that is gonna be a takeaway that some people have, is like we need to figure out a way to just let these guys keep going, because like yeah, I it, mean, how much fun did you have watching Vlad in that, you know, in that derby where he was the eight seat, so he was he went first every single time. That's why he hit 91 home runs. That's why John Carlos Stanton hit all those home runs in 20. Uh, it's 16 because he was like the five or six seed or whatever. Oh yeah. And shout out to, uh, wasn't it Jock Peterson? Yes. Shout out to Jock yeah. Peterson for keeping up with him. So we could yeah. see. That went to like that. three overtimes. Yeah. Jock Peterson really, by the way, is the unsung hero of home run derbies. Cause it was him and, and Albert Pools and Todd Frazier. Mm-hmm. I had, I had him winning that derby in 20 in 2015, but he lost to Frazier. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was, yeah, it was him and Todd Frazier and uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in 2019. So, yeah, shout out to him for just sticking in there and unfortunately for him uh, losing. But, yeah, that, yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, I mean, one, I guess, kind of uh, stat I can point out in terms of talking about the the talent, the talent of guys 25 and under, uh, it's not – uh, it's not particularly recently, but uh, the most wins above replacement 
uh, ever produced in a season by uh, 25 and 25 and younger players was 2018. So it was only three years ago. Yeah. What was it? Uh, it was 185.9 total. Wow. Total wins above replacement by wow guys 25 and younger. Uh, the next best after that was 2015 with 180. And then below that was 2016 with 165.6. What is it at right now this year? It's actually kind of surprisingly uh, low. Yeah. So I was uh, going to say 180, 180, whatever it was. That's way more than I thought it would have been. Yeah, it goes uh, 2018, 2015, 2016, and then 2019, which I would have predicted. Uh, and then 2008. So shout out to... Uh, Evan Longoria. Shout out to Evan Longoria. For carrying the plate. I don't know who else, but yeah, they put it they put it together that year. But yeah. Uh so the most recent years, and you know, I know the there's more teams now, but it there's been the same amount of teams for twenty four years now, since yep. nineteen ninety eight. So and there's no no uh years in the nineties or like early, early two thousand. So certainly Certainly, this is a trend in yeah, uh, like Major the league League Baseball. is the league has never been in better hands going forward, honestly. Yeah, and like there's never, never been more league wide excitement. Like when I was starting to, uh, when I was starting to watch baseball, it was all about the Red Sox for me. Yeah. I feel like a kid, you know, like ten years old right now, is not wants to just, watch the whole league. Yeah, they want to. They they know about the rest of the league. I didn't really know about the rest of the league until no, like I I didn't know about it until I started playing fantasy baseball. That's how I that's how I had to learn about other players. Yeah, it it wasn't until like into my teen years or whatever, or, or until I started watching MLB Network a little bit, uh, until I knew about the rest of the league. Now with social media, it's a lot a lot more accessible, and you know MLB accounts do a somewhat good job of. Of, promo, of promoting these individuals. Yeah, I mean, like, I can... I'm outside of baseball. I'm a New York Giants fan in football. I can name more players on any baseball team than I can the New York Giants because of how much how much exposure, you know, people have to the, to the whole league and also because of my admitted lack of exposure to the Giants. Right, yeah. And, like, the, especially with football, like... You know, there's so many more guys, but you only really care about the skill position players mostly. Yeah. And maybe it's some like, of... oh, I know Daniel Jones and I know Saquon Barkley, and that's about it. Yeah. There's like, yeah, no, offensive line doesn't really get much love. You know, maybe some defensive ends uh, are well liked, but you have to be really good as a, you know, defensive player or offensive lineman to get that shine. Major League Baseball. You know, if you're a great starting pitcher or anywhere else in the diamond, uh, you can get you can get exposure. It's I guess it's yeah. hard. It's hard as a catcher, I would say. But but you know what? You can make it work if you if you really need to. And anywhere else, I think you can. Like Buster Posey won an MVP. Yeah, but in terms of like exposure to. Uh, that's true. The like public. that's national spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Like who's you the gotta... most electric catcher in the league? <laughs> yeah. No one. You can't because no catcher is making diving plays or yeah, and there's not not a lot except of personnel. For, except for except for our catcher on our co-rec softball team that made one diving catch in the championship game. Yeah, shout out to Ty. Yeah, 
that was a key moment key moment in that game the win probability added on that catch was like significantly bigger than any defensive play all season yes yes and the championship win probability added too obviously yeah not certainly none of my defense was adding to the championship (laughs) win probability added especially in the playoffs yeah my chris you did not make one error yeah fair enough yeah and uh i think i'm pretty sure baseball reference makes its uh defensive evaluation based on range factor which is like plays made per game so i imagine my defensive wins above replacement was very down yeah it was probably zero it was probably like negative one like i probably had a because like dhs dhs accumulate negative defensive wins above replacement yeah i was probably having i was probably my numbers were probably similar to like jd martinez yeah just not not any defensive uh contributions whatsoever and then i was like uh, I was like the Jackie Bradley Jr. of our team. Like I played a really good defense in center, and my offense was not as yeah, good. But hot, some hot streaks. Yeah, but some hot. Like I did have that one game where I hit a home run, but that was it. Right. Yeah. And I hit a bunch of singles. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I was I was he, more of a I was more of an OBP guy. Right, and that's what we needed in the last game. Yeah, we did. We started out the second inning by taking eight consecutive walks. <laughs> right, but. Yeah, catchers can't really be flashy outside of Wilson Contreras. Yes. He's, he's the only catcher with personality I can think of. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe Yachty was a little bit marketable because everybody loves... Because he's Yachty and he just played long. Yeah, and he has a good caught stealing percentage and he frames pretty well. But... And there's like all those numbers where it's like the Cardinals are like by far the, like the least, have like the least amount of guys trying to steal on them by like 500 since 2004 or whatever mm-hmm. right yeah. so there, there's that and yeah he's well loved in uh st louis but maybe it's more of a st louis thing and not a, a national thing uh but yeah i mean any more any more on the uh state of the game with with all these all these players just remember like the league like i think there's going to be some significant because i don't know i think it was buster only who said um Major League Baseball is like soon about to like release uh, like a document stating what the punishments will be for anyone caught with foreign substances, and that's going to create like this whole chaotic, you know, outrage on social media. And then Josh Donaldson's going to re- release the Kraken, and that's going to do all that again. Just remember that there are good things in this game. Like, yeah. Like Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and Shohei Otani. Yeah, and think about if if uh foreign substances are more enforced you know all these all these young players are uh position players yeah that are getting the exposure well, and Shohei so, Otani. yeah and Shohei Otani you know maybe Otani's pitching might decrease but uh every, all, everyone's offense is going to increase if uh foreign substances are more enforced upon so that's the uh light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. but yeah uh now uh now we get into uh what we prepared for the or what we most prepared for because we did prepare for uh the other segments we did um so uh yeah now on to our monday june 14th 2021 edition of how about that so what do you have to highlight for good reasons today so we mentioned earlier how Mike Trout was out with an injury and, you know, even, you know, the game's in good state, in good state without him. 
the Angels are in a good state without him because of another guy who came off the injury list on June 1st, and that is Max Stassi. Um, since June 1st, after he returned from the IL, he is slashing 424, 472, 909 with a 1381 OPS. Vlad Jr. is the only player with a better slugging percentage, and Vlad Jr. and Cedric Mullins are the only players with a better weighted runs created plus in the month of June than Max Stassi. Max Stassi has a 273 weighted runs created plus. And even outside of Mike Trout, the Angels have a lot of star power on offense. They have Anthony Rendon. They have Jared Walsh. However, on Saturday and Sunday, Stassi was actually hitting third in the batting order. And he became the first Angels catcher to hit third in back-to-back games since Greg Myers did it in June of 1995, 26 years ago. And there have been 50 games where an Angels catcher appeared third in the lineup, whether it be a starter or reserve. And on Sunday, Max Stassi became the first of those players to hit a home run. So he became the first Angels catcher to hit a home run out of the three hole. And uh, that's kind of just a small part of what he's been doing since he got back from the IL in, on June 1st. He became the first guy to ever do that? On the, on the Angels. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Angels. Yeah, he, he became the first Angels catcher to homer out of the three spot in the lineup. That's... That's a pretty you didn't have to filter down like too much there. That's a no. very good And that's I mean that's like the Angels have been around for 60 years. Yeah, I think uh 1969. So 52ish. I mean yep. well over 50. I mean they had Nolan they had Nolan Ryan at the at like the beginning of his didn't career. Didn't they expand to like the early 60s? Either 61 or 60 It's 61. It's 61. Uh cuz oh yeah do they have the 60-year anniversary shirts right now? I believe now? so. I believe so. Yep, 61. Yeah, they've been around 60 years. Yeah. This is their 61st season, and uh, Max Stassi, the first to do what he did. Yeah, there were some uh, 60, 1961 expansions and 1969 expansions, and, you know, you hate to get those confused yeah. uh, when when those happen. But, yeah, 61, I think it was, uh, well, I think it was, like, maybe the twins and or no it was the uh senators yeah and the angels because then the senators well and the the mets too right because the mets came around in 61 they uh 62 was because the 62 mets were like one of the worst teams of all time uh i actually looked this up as baseball history series was happening oh the american league expanded before one year before the national League did okay so the mets actually came around in 62 yeah 62 and i forget what the other national league team was it wasn't the padres um, they were in 69 let me think uh let's take a look the brewers the brew no the brewers are 69 or 70 rather I right guess. But they were in the American League too, anyway. Um, the Astros? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was the Astros. That would make sense. 1962 baseball season. Wikipedia will have this for us. Uh, yeah. But yeah, all in all, the Angels are a 60 year old organization, and Max Stassi became their first catcher out of the three hole to hit a home run, which is pretty unbelievable. Yeah. Houston Colt 45s and New York Mets 1962. Look at that. Yep. And uh, yeah, that was when uh, Nolan Ryan was able to go to the local Colt 45 games and watch Sandy Koufax. That's when uh, about... that's close to the time when Joe Morgan played for the Colt 45s. Yeah, he joined them in uh, 1963. Mm-hmm. 
So check out episodes 32 and 80 to get more context on that in the baseball uh, history series. I love that you just have in the back of your mind what episode was every player. Yep, yep. Well, Joe Morgan was pretty easy because or Joe uh, Morgan was easy because it was because we did start on we started on 31. Yep. And, and he Joe was Morgan the was the second player. player we did, but Nolan Ryan was, you know, a little out there. Yep. Yeah, I could pro I uh, you know, number association, I'm pretty good with it. That's why that's why I'm somewhat decent on this uh on this program. Cuz exactly. uh, I remember I remember some numbers. That's that's what I got. Uh all right, my how about that? Uh we kind of referenced we kind of referenced them a couple episodes, like them particularly. And I'm talking about them because this is a subject. Uh, and we talked about this team a little bit today. Uh, I'm talking about the, so uh, from May 16th to May 28th, the Cubs bullpen allowed no earned runs in 38 innings pitch. Nuts. Uh, and they've continued doing well. In their last 27 games, which is since May 16th, they have a league leading 1.11 reliever ERA. 1.11 in, uh, I should have put innings down, but I think it's like 97 innings, which is insane. If only there was a team span filter. Uh, yeah, I mean, I should have just wrote it down, but uh, it just takes, it's going to take a while for me to get the innings back, but it's between 90 and 100 innings that they've done this. Uh, they are fourth. In strikeouts per nine with 11. Uh, second in home runs per nine with 0.5. First and left on base percentage with 91.2% of runners ended up being stranded. First in saves with 12. First in holds with 28. And uh, while they're first in saves and holds, they are tied for last in blown saves with one. So that means basically... And that's, 40, that's the whole bullpen, too. Like, that's when people don't even come in for save situations but still give up a lead. Exactly, yeah. That's so nuts. When you combine the saves and holds, they're pretty much 40 for 41 in those types of opportunities. Unbelievable. That Unbelievable. doesn't make any sense. And they are first in FIP uh, with a 2.86. Like, it, it, you're right. It doesn't make sense. You, I, did not expect, I did not expect this whatsoever. Uh, individually, Dan Winkler, one run and 11 and a third innings pitched in this 27 game span. Andrew Chafin, nine and a third scoreless innings, along with seven holds in this in this span. Tommy Nance, who I did not hear of until today, 11 and, th- 11 and a third innings pitched, eight base runners, 13 strikeouts, and no runs allowed from him. Craig Kimbrell having a comeback season and uh, looking to get some money in free agency after this year, 11 and two thirds in he's pitched five base runners, 20 strikeouts, no earned runs and 11 saves, 11 saves in a 27 game span. And uh, probably the guy that's been the best reliever of them all, not Craig Kimbrell, but uh, you know him from the 2020 MVP ballot, MVP ballot, <laughs> Brian Tapera. In this 27, he just got a he just got a card and it'll be the show. 14 and two thirds in his pitch, only four base runners. He has an 080 on base percentage against uh, in his last in the Cubs' last 27 games, and also in these 14 and two thirds in his pitch, 21 strikeouts, no runs allowed, one save and eight holds. 
the Cubs bullpen is something something to look at. Like it doesn't really make sense. They've been amazing for the past pretty much month. And uh, yeah, they had to get some recognition. So Cubs bullpen. How about that? Woohoo. It's not does not make any sense. Cubs are proving me wrong. I did not I was not very high on them at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and, and they started out pretty slow. They started yeah. out very slow. Uh, I think they were ten and fourteen or something like that. Or twelve and sixteen. There was a there was a difference of in four of wins and losses. But yeah, it's it's the guys that you know no no one talked about the Cubs bullpen as one of the top bullpens and they've just emerged as a quality bullpen, which I, I did not expect, and I had them in second place. Uh all right, anyway, on to slightly alarming, or actually our uh our Monday, June 14th, 2021 edition of slightly alarming. Slightly alarming statistics. So uh, who do you have for us today? Yeah, um, I'm actually staying in the same division that you looked at. Um, you know, Chris, you said last week we don't usually talk about relievers on this segment, but we're doing it twice in a row. Uh, I'm looking at Amir Garrett mm. uh, today on Slightly Alarming, and it's it's not good. Uh, he has a 9 ERA with a 1.84 FIP, or I'm sorry, a 1.84 WHIP uh, in 18 innings pitched. Uh, both of those are really bad. Uh, since 2019... He's gone from the 77th percentile to the third percentile in average exit velocity, 83rd to third percentile in a hard hit rate, 77th to fifth percentile in ex-woba, also 77th to fifth percentile in expected ERA, 90th to 25th percentile expected batting average, 96th to sixth percentile in ex-slugging, 95th to fourth percentile in barrel percentage against. Uh, he has regressed in every which way possible since uh since 2019 and there's been one glaring issue with him and it's been his four seam fastball uh in 40 in 42 plate appearances do you want to guess what the opponent's slugging percentage is against his fastball uh opponents against his fastball uh 873 you were very close it's 882 oh wow 882 slugging percentage against his fastball that is the highest out of 332 pitchers with at least 25 plate appearances against the fastball. And that's kind of a problem, obviously, uh, especially when his average fastball velocity is in the 69th percentile. So it's not like he's, uh, it's not like he's, you know, not blowing guys away to begin with. He's supposed to be, but he's just not. And his spin rates in the 44th percentile. So it's not like he's really relying on that either. He's more of a velocity guy and he's just not blowing anything by anyone. Uh, even if his strikeouts are still decent, everything else has just been a huge problem. And as a reliever in today's game, it's not uncommon to be a two pitch pitcher. And that's not, there's not nothing, there's not anything inherently wrong with that. But Amir Garrett is one of them. And if one of your two pitches is not working, you're going to have a bad time. And that's what's going on with Amir Garrett. His fastball has been miserable and it's, and it's been affecting his entire, you know, his entire season. Yeah. Uh, very bad i'm actually looking at the stat cast data right now and yeah it's just been uh in a completely ineffective um in its entirety it's the whiff percentage on his forcing fastball is 8.5 percent uh last year it was 15.8 so yeah amir garrett uh was not on my radar but definitely now is slightly alarming 
Yeah, nine ERA. That's uh. 18 innings pitched. That's uh pretty. That's pretty bad. That's 18 not... earned runs and 18 innings pitched. Yeah, and I imagine the innings have been cut short because they they just haven't been able to rely on him. And mm-hmm. you know the Reds bullpen was already kind of alarming, but we were like at before the season we were like Amir Garrett and maybe Lucas Sims is going to be able to and TJ Antone, but TJ Antone just went on the IL. Right, like those are the guys that you can rely on in the bullpen, and and Amir Garrett has not been that guy. Lucas Sims has been blah. TJ Antone was great. And then, you know, on the IL. Yep. Uh, so pointed out some bullpens. You know, I pointed out Cubs bullpen. He pointed out Amir Garrett with, uh, you know, giving, giving some relievers some attention. Uh, my my uh, slightly alarming is someone who, someone who, uh, you know, got a lot of, got a lot of attention at the beginning of the year. And I think his struggles might have been publicized a little bit, but I, I figured I'd break it down anyway because he hasn't. We haven't really addressed it on the show. Uh, your mean, your mean Mercedes has uh, not been quite the same as he was at the beginning of the year, and I don't even really know if it's that alarming because you didn't really expect him. If if you were to tell uh, someone that he was going to have a 120 OPS plus through like 65 games or whatever he's doing. It would be like, oh, you're mean Mercedes. This guy I've never heard of is ha- having a very good year, and you- you'd be correct. But in his last 28 games, he's been taking a dive, and he set a pretty high bar for himself uh, at the beginning of the year. So you kind of have to point out the downfall. Uh, your mean Mercedes in his last 28 games, he's hitting 190 with a 538 OPS. Uh, in this span, his OPS is the fourth lowest out of 163 qualifiers. Uh, and his in his uh, first 31 games of the year where he was, you know, doing extremely well, his hard hit percentage was 34%, and his expected batting average was 296, almost 300. Uh, in his last 28 games, when his struggles uh, started, his hard hit percentage is 27%, which is down 7%, and his expected batting average is 219, which is down... Uh, over 75 points from what it was uh, in the first 31 games. And in his first 31 games, he had nine barrels. And now in his last 28 games, he only has four barrels. So that's been cut by uh, more than half. So your mean Mercedes, you know, I, I don't know if we were supposed to expect him to carry out success, but it's been a bit of an extended slump. Uh, I guess he would say so. You're mean Mercedes. Slightly alarming. So those are the players to highlight. And uh, now we get into the preview of the week ahead. I will point out some series. Daniel will point out some day-by-day matchups. uh, uh, For series-wise, there's one I'm looking at because it's, you know, the obvious series to watch. And one I would watch because it kind of intrigues me. But uh, the obvious series to watch is uh, Rays, White Sox, two of the hottest teams in the American League. The two best teams in the American League. Yes, record-wise, and uh, you could even argue on paper, two best uh, teams in the American League. Tonight, you have an amazing matchup, which Daniel will get into uh, pitching-wise. Tuesday night, you have... Dallas Keuchel versus Shane McClanahan. 
uh, two very different pitching styles there. You got the guy blowing 100 versus the guy that's probably going to be averaging about about 88 on his fastball. So, uh, you know, clash of uh, clash of styles there. And then on Wednesday, uh, you have Lucas Giolito going for the White Sox, and the Rays haven't announced their starter, but I looked back uh, it, at, you know, their previous rotation, and I believe it's going to be Ryan Yarbrough, and they have pretty similar ERAs, so that's going to be a pretty interesting clash. So uh, this, you know, uh, I, I had – we both had Yankees, White Sox in the ALCS before the season started. Realistically, now, if I had to change my guess – this might be the ALCS. So this could be a bit of a preview uh, between Rays and White Sox. And I guess the other series that kind of intrigues me is uh, Blue Jays-Yankees because the Blue Jays offense looks looked amazing against the Red Sox. And, uh, they're still the not Yankees, even done. Yeah, they're not done yet. And the Yankees are struggling mightily. And I guess it's not because of their pitching, but I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering if the Yankees – pitching can maybe halt by the way that's like basically gonna that's basically gonna be a home series for the yankees right right Uh, yeah and i can i I can promise you there's gonna be more yankee fans in buffalo than blue jays fans oh it's gonna be in buffalo yeah all right because i remember them saying it was gonna change in uh june june yep it's at salem field where'd the bison where are the bisons going i don't know i have no idea they just kicked them out. <laughs> maybe they like maybe they scheduled their season around the Blue Jays so that they're not like home at the same time. I don't know. That's actually a strong though. possibility. They, they probably they probably did get kicked out though because they are still playing. Yeah. Like that's a strong possibility the same way that hockey teams and basketball teams share an arena. Uh so that that could be and the same way that the Giants and Jets share a stadium and the Chargers and Rams. But yep. yeah, maybe that maybe that's the thing. Man, uh, it's gonna be weird when the Blue Jays go back to the Rogers Center. That's it's gonna be sure. it's gonna be cool though. Yeah, I, I I bet that's gonna be a sellout at least the first night. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be interesting because the Blue Jays' offense is crazy hot, and uh, we'll see how that fares against the Yankees. All right, day by day matchups. What do you got? So I'm gonna do something a little different and just go by go off of the, the good pitchers that are going each day. But I will highlight one matchup, and the obvious matchup uh, is Tyler Glasnow versus Lance Lynn tonight. You talked about the series as a whole. Uh, Lance Lynn has been one of the most, has had one of the more remarkable turnarounds in his career starting in 2019. Um, and Tyler Glasnow is just one of the most electric pitchers in the league. They're going to go up against each other tonight. Uh, you know, two very different breeds of pitchers who have come to be sort of similar pitching styles, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, you also have Alec Manoa going against the Red Sox. He's made three starts. He has a 3.14 ERA uh, on the season thus far. You have Denelson Lamette going for the Padres against the Colorado Rockies. It's going to be in Colorado, so watch out for that air. Uh, oh, you also got the uh, the matchup of two. I don't know matchup of two struggling pitchers. Kenta Maeda versus Marco Marco Gonzalez at 10:10 tonight Eastern Time. Hmm. That's interesting. Um. And then on Tuesday, you got uh, Taiwan Walker going. You have Luis Castillo going, uh, who's looked a little bit better recently. You have Casey Mize going, who if he can limit the home run ball, he'll be amazing. You have a really good – the best matchup of the day, I'd say, is Kyle Gibson versus Lance McCullers Jr. 
Uh, both of them have a sub three ERA. It's the all Texas matchup. Of course, you also have Trevor Rogers going for the Marlins against the Cardinals. You have you Darvish going against the Rockies and uh, you have Julio Urias going against the Phillies. And then on Wednesday, the matchup to watch for is Zach Wheeler versus Clayton Kershaw. Uh, that's a pretty, that's a, that's a good one. Power yeah, righty, wow. you know, power righty versus finesse lefty. Um, that's going to be a fun one to watch, even if it's at, you know, 10 at night. You have Anthony Descalfani. His last time out, he threw a complete game shutout um, against the Nationals. You have Zach Grinke going uh, for the Astros. You have Aaron Savali going for the Indians. He's been picking it up recently. Uh, you have Lucas Giolito going. You have Tarek Skubal going. You have Sandy Alcantara, Freddie Peralta, Tyler Male, Ian Anderson. A lot of good pitchers, but none of them are Jacob DeGrom, and he's going Wednesday. All right. So we got some good pitching on the docket this week. Um, one thing I – so uh, remember when we called who our next no-hitters would be? Yeah. I said Lance McCullers Jr., and he's facing the Rangers. Huh. And, I, mm. like, there's, like, a 1% chance of it happening. But, but hey. But I kind of <laughs> want to say, like, if he doesn't get a no-hitter – against the rangers maybe there's just no more no hitters for the rest of the year i don't know if i want to make that statement but hey i mean it's statistically like statistically speaking it's likely there's going to be no more no hitters if it'd be very funny if there was like there was just six in the first two months and then nothing yeah it it would be hilarious like the whole narrative would just like the whole like everyone's freaking out over the rise of no hitters and it's just now there's no more actually (laughs) yeah yeah. All right. I'll say it. So if Lance McCullers Jr. doesn't no hit the Rangers on Tuesday, <laughs> no more no hitters for the rest of the year. What a what a wild claim. Yes. Uh, that's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna. End, that's what I'm gonna end the show on. Uh, if yeah, if Lance if Lance McCullers does not no hit the Rangers on Tuesday, June fifteenth, and maybe maybe I'll give him another shot at the Rangers, but. I'll just say, or actually what I'll say, if Lance McCullers Jr. doesn't no-hit the Rangers, it, there won't be another no-hitter. The only no-hitter that will happen for the rest of the year is uh, Lance McCullers against the Rangers. Um, all right, that's what I'll say. Wow. And uh, all right, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Kind of went all over the place today. Uh, we, uh, If you want to follow us on the social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show updates and sometimes some stat graphics. Uh, and if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify and want to watch conversation as it happens, go to our YouTube channel it is called above replacement radio and uh, check out the playlists for the baseball history series that we referenced. And uh, you know, hall of fame bubble case breakdowns. If you're interested in that at this point of the year, uh so we have a lot of hall of fame talk going on on june 14th for sure (laughs) yeah uh it's just buzzing cooperstown is buzzing uh but yeah we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you uh on monday or on thursday where we will be talking about all the happenings in major league baseball see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over